Raw Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. I am happy to welcome back to the Spa Retailer Podcast, Martin Holland, who is a business coach here in Norman, Oklahoma, and my business coach. Martin is has been writing this series for us, and we are going over those topics on the podcast too. So welcome back, Martin. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to be here. The title of this month's article was The Dramatic Effects of Small Changes. And I'm fascinated by this topic because I think part of me doesn't believe it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I look at these numbers and I'm like, really? Really? But math is math. I know that it's real. But it's such a good reminder, I think, sometimes of the little things that you can do in your business that can make a huge impact. Do you want to talk about some of these small changes that business owners, particularly hot tub retailers, can make? Oh, of course. It's a passion. As an introduction to it, two things. One is a lot of us, we're elephant hunters. We want to make it a big score somehow, a big sale or something like that. Not to say that those things can't happen. They can but they're rare. And oftentimes when they happen, they're damaging because you're not set up to double your sales in a month or something right. like that. Oh, that's so th- preaching to the choir because during the pandemic, that's what people had to deal with. Right. It's just really hard to do to slay an elephant and it's exhausting and they're rare events. It is not hard to make small changes. The problem with it is that I think so many people think the small changes don't matter. Yeah. And just non-mathematically to explain why that is, is let's just say you have a company and your expenses are $100,000 a month. And we'll talk about break even later on, but it's very simple. You sell $100,000 worth of stuff. Well, you're at zero. If you sell $101, you can't double zero. So you're a dollar up. If you sell $102, you've doubled your profit, right? The first in this case, $100,000 is not yours. So once you hit that point, the little things start to accumulate dramatically and profitability goes up. And when you consider that the average company in the United States, average business, makes 7% of sales as a net profit before taxes. So if you sell a million, you make 70,000 to the bottom line. That's true of the average company in the United States. If you lose 1000 or $10,000, that's not, oh, we only lost 1% of a million. We lost 16% of our profit. There we go. We're back at math again. But yeah. your share is a small part. So if you can make a small difference on the big, you increase by multiples your share of that. So what are some things that you could see a hot tub retailer being able to do that would help, that would be a small change that could make a big difference for them? Let me, let's just use an example of that average company, spa retailer, who can increase their prices by 1% will increase their net profit by 14.5%. Okay. How could you possibly improve your margins by 1%? You can raise your prices by 1%. And 
I think I point that out in the article. You can do that this afternoon. <laughs> uh, I had a contractor who was in a mastermind four or five years ago, and he heard some statistics that we'll talk about, but that one in particular. And he went home that afternoon and called all of his, I think he had about 12 trucks out and said, the prices just went up and it didn't go up by 1%. He went up by about 15%. Yeah. And everybody's expecting blowback from that. And there was none. He just made a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, raising prices is, I feel like hot tub retailers are probably tired of hearing about price increases from their manufacturers at this point. <laughs> the supply chain made that just a regular part of our lives for a while there. And I think for some still, but yeah, I think, I think if a lot of hot tub retailers sat down and looked at their numbers, looked at the price increases that they have had passed down to them, I think if they tracked the prices down to their customers, they maybe aren't making the margins that they once were. And they may need to reconsider that again, even though it feels like we just keep getting more and more expensive. You can't make less money. That's a really good point, Megan. One thing that I found, not just in pools and spas, but across all sorts of contracting and even manufacturers, some of my clients who are manufacturers, they're the bulwark against price increases. In other words, they're absorbing those price increases and saying yep. to themselves, I can't pass that on. We cannot, as the contractor dealing with the final consumer, be the bulwark against price. We can't protect everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason they do that is they're scared to do that because they're afraid they'll lose business. But there's just that natural tendency to not want to raise your prices. You can't just continue to absorb them because yeah. just as small changes to the positive, make a huge difference to your profitability. Small changes that go negative make a huge difference too, but in the wrong direction. One of the other ones you talked about is if you increase your sales by 20%, you will double your net profit. Yes. Yeah. And again, we're talking the average business out there that has 35% gross profit margins and a 7% to the bottom line. The numbers are different for different amounts. But, but when I talk to clients about doubling their net profit, as just as an exercise, what immediately jumps into their minds is, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to work twice as hard. I'm going to have to have twice as much inventory. I'm going to have right. to have twice as many guys. The math shows that you don't have to do that. If you can increase your sales by 20%, the average company will double its net profit. And it would take maybe some math to show why that works, but trust me, it does. <laughs> Which again, for a hot tub retailer, let's say you're selling 10 hot tubs a month, right? So increasing your sales by 20%, if you sold two more hot tubs a month, you would double your net right. profit for that month, which I think most of us would be pretty, pretty happy with. That goes back to if 10 are making you whatever they're making you and have paid your overhead expenses, which is an article coming in next month's. The next two hot tubs that you sell, the gross profit from those goes entirely to your net profit. And that's why that works without having to get into all the math of it. And you had asked me, what are some of the things that a retailer can do? I did talk about raising prices. And that's disturbing to a lot of people, but 1% is doable. Another thing that they can do is increase their gross profit margin by decreasing their variable costs, okay? 
Yeah. So you have sales minus variable costs, which are cost of goods sold, right? The cost of the spot itself, the subcontractors, perhaps commissions. And you say, well, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to reduce that? There are various ways to do it. But if you manage to do that, you can get that same increase to your bottom line. So you improve your margin by 1% either by a sales increase or by reducing your variable costs. It's the same 1%. And this is where management really comes into play. Management that you can actually do. Because if you decide, all I have to do is improve my margins by 1%, what goes into my margins? Commissions, subcontractors, how many jobs you do in a week, Mm -hmm. go into that. And you can start saying, where am I wasting money? And, oh, it's only 1%. No, it's not only 1%. It has this huge outsized effect that we're talking about. So I'm going to become more efficient in labor. Labor is always one. Always. Yeah. It points out places that you can begin to manage your business. And of course, with good books, you can begin to see, hey, I had a 35% margin before. Now I have 36. What else can we do to become more efficient? We've talked about labor and how labor is hard to get nowadays. Good labor anyway. You can still be more efficient. And I'll give you a story of a guy's not in the pool business. He's in the foundation repair business. But he has seven trucks that go out and do foundation repair, which are not that dissimilar. There's a price and cost and there's some equipment and there's some labor and they estimate what that'll be. But one of the problems he had was that all seven trucks went to the convenience store first thing in the morning. In other words, first first thing they're supposed to be out the door at seven and they're out the door at 730 and they go get fuel and they stop and get coffee and they do that on lunch. And this guy, rather than just going out there and chewing them out, he bought vending machines and put them in the shop. Mm-hmm. And he made it his rule that they had to be out the door at seven, but he provided all the, and he charged them. It wasn't free stuff, but it was yeah. the same. Whatever they were getting at the convenience store, they can now can get in the shop before they leave. So he became a lot more efficient in his time, which did reduce his labor cost per unit that he put in. Lots of things. I think it's hard for people to imagine being more efficient with labor because it feels like right now, you'll pay whatever you can to keep somebody. <laughs> but I'm thinking about maybe what are some other variable costs for hot store retailers. I'm thinking especially of transaction fees, perhaps, right. and also what they're spending to floor their inventory. I would say those are probably two areas that that if you look into it, you could potentially be saving money and you're thinking like, oh, just a small percentage on my transaction fees. But if someone can get you a better percentage on your transactions, your credit card transactions, that could save you a ton of money. Well, you there, money. there you go. One, one percent. Again, they're, typically they're three or 2.9 or you can charge the customer. People don't want to do that. But when people decide to do it, usually I don't see that much resistance. Yeah. People always worry about it, but I don't see that much. So that's three times the 1% that we're looking for. If 100% of your sales are done on credit cards. I think a lot of people do buy hot tubs on credit cards. <laughs> right. It's like credit cards or cash. And then some, there's a certain percentage that also finances it. But but yeah, when you put like a $12,000 purchase on a credit card, that adds up pretty quick. Two Two other things that are very near and dear to my heart. 
I don't remember if we talked about this, but I know that you and I have. I'd like to start preface this by asking why do people not want to raise prices? That's a question. Oh, you're asking me. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> they're afraid that they'll lose sales. Yeah. Hundred percent. I've never had anybody answer anything else. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a good idea if you knew how many sales you could lose at a given price level before it made any difference? Yeah. And I have a, a table that I'd be glad to send to anybody who wanted it. But it just so happens somebody with a thirty-five percent margin who raises their prices by ten percent can lose twenty-two percent of their business before it affects their gross profit. Yeah. And the reason I tell people about that is to give them the courage to try to raise prices. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are a lot of things that go along with that, giving them reasons other than price to buy from you, but it gives them the courage. And what generally happens is they don't lose any sales. So they work 10% less hard and make the same money. Yeah. We talk a lot on the full side of the business. We talk a lot about raising prices because you're doing for that audience, they're doing service and those recurring expenses obviously are really important. But I think I forget sometimes about hot tub retailers and they also are doing service. Also try charging trip fees and also doing like valet service where they're going out to their customers' homes a certain number of times a month right. or a year. <laughs> and so I forget that like they they are also doing those things and also have those expenses and also could, like you said, raise those service prices by I have a I have a pool service company and he was charging a certain price and I said that sounds really cheap. He said, I don't want to lose anybody and all this. I said, you're scattered all over the place, got all kinds of things going on. You're going crazy. Uh people would show up and then they'd not show up to work for him. All kinds of problems. So why don't you raise them if you lose a few, you make the same money off a of fewer. He almost doubled his prices. And yeah. didn't lose a single customer, not yep. one. Yeah. They were still glad to have the only questions were, can you get here this month? Can we start now? Yeah, yeah. I think if you built in that value to what you're providing them, you know, what may feel like a huge increase to you, most people won't even bat an eye. The, the flip side of the, why do people raise, or why are people reluctant to raise prices is why are people so eager to discount? Yeah. That's a question again. Yeah. They, I think they're thinking that they'll drum up a whole bunch of more sales because if they, they've got a, a quote unquote sale going on. <laughs> right. And there, there are times that it works if you really know the math and know what you're intending to do, but you're exactly right. Most people discount because they want to attract more customers. And I say, how many customers do you need to attract just to pay for the discount to stay mm -hmm. the same? And it so happens that the answer for that with 35% margin and a 20% discount is you have to do 133% more. That means double and a third more to stay the same. Yeah. So discounts are, can be very damaging. There, there are reasons to do it. Well thought out reasons that generate certain things and maybe you get some repeat customers and, or get rid of inventory, right? Yeah. which basically is saying correct a previous mistake, having too much inventory you have to get rid of. But generally people just discount because that's the first resort. I've got to get this sale, therefore I got to be cheaper. And yeah. it's, they don't realize how damaging it is. 
So you mentioned trying to get rid of inventory, but are there, what are some other times where having a discount could make sense? I'm thinking, I'm wondering particularly like a lot of hot soap retailers will do home shows or fairs or these big events where I think they feel like they need to have a reason to get someone to buy, to buy now, to buy at that in that time frame. Is that a good time to maybe discount? I'll say two things. The best time to discount is if the manufacturer is giving you the discount so you're passing it on, right? So it's not really costing you anything. Sure, you you can go to home shows and have a discount and kind of consider that to be extra business, right? This month I would have sold 15 spas, which I'm still going to sell, but I sold Mm -hmm. an additional 10. So that's 10 more spas worth of margin that goes to my bottom line. But I just encourage people to have a real reason for it. And plus, if you're selling the spas that you have at the show, you don't have to bring it home. Yeah. You got to take it somewhere, but <laughs> you take it to the customers. Yeah, there are those reasons to do it, but I want them thought out. If you yeah. realize that going to a show, you sell 15 spas and what you wound up doing is making $35,000 less for the month. Where's the apparent gain? Maybe the apparent gain is you got 250 names or leads to call. Okay, so it's a marketing expense, but people just generally give away money without thinking of the results. Yeah, I think I, I prefer to say this is a super this is a super spa. It's one of a kind. It was a quality to be seen at the show, and you can get it for ten percent over regular price because it's famous. Give them some reason, <laughs> right? And I think too, every retailer I have talked to has a story about a show or some kind of offsite event that went really good. And then they all have a story of one that went really bad. <laughs> it's not always guaranteed success, but but yeah, like you said, if you have a plan and you've thought it out, at least that gives you something to shoot for. So you know what you're making before you leave. What I like to see as a, at a show thing is you give away something with a high perceived value instead of an actual value. And I'll use a bouquet of roses because I was going to use chlorine, but that has a high value. That has a high actual cost to go with. But if you're giving away a dozen roses and retail price, 75 bucks, but they cost Mm -hmm. you $8, you're getting a mental credit from your customer for $75, but it really only costs you eight. So finding maybe three service calls, you know, nominal value, $200 each, $600 and we'll give it away. You're really giving away 150 bucks depending on your scheduling. So trying to find things like that. Yeah. So maybe you're throwing in delivery or maybe you're adding in an accessory, like a step or a cover lifter or something that you would normally charge for. Okay. So finding something like that rather than actually, here's another way to think about it. If you, if they buy a spa at the show and you give them a $500 gift card, the perceived value of that gift card is $500 and the value of that gift card is $500. But if you give them away Two services value $500 that out of, out of your pocket is 150 for drive time and some chemicals. Yeah. You get perceived value of 500, but you've only had to spend 150. One of the other things that you mentioned in this article was if you increase your gross margins 5% and increase your sales 20%, you'll triple right. your net profit. Yep. Again, that's just math. 5%. Matter of fact, I have to have that in front of me to quote it exactly. <laughs> but the five percent has that that five percent increase is five times the fourteen and a half percent, and when you double that, you're into the three hundred percent. So you can just 
by being efficient and being aware, you can be have a much greater impact than going out and just trying to conquer the world by discounting your prices and running trucks all over the place. And I think this is a good time to remind people of this because, again, as we're all running ragged during the pandemic and just trying to keep your heads above water, trying to get what you can done and keep up with the work you have, I think it, it was pretty easy for people to get a little bit lazy when it came to looking at the books and being efficient because it just wasn't wasn't top of mind. But now that things have slowed down a little bit, now is the time where you better believe people are sitting down and looking at their books and saying, all right, where can we cut? Where can we save? How can we make more than we did last year? And it's been pretty interesting as I talk to retailers. Some have are selling fewer hot tubs, but making more money right now because of that, because they're selling a higher dollar product, because they've made other incremental changes that have made a huge difference to their business. And so it's, it is possible. <laughs> it is. And it's great that you brought that up because people tend to get efficient when times are tough because they have to. Mm -hmm. And that maybe allows them survive or hold their own. If you get efficient when times are good, it is astounding the effect it has on the bottom line and your abilities. And of the ways to get efficient, back to your very first question, there are two types of expense, the variable expenses that go up and down with sales. That would be the cost of spa, cost of a contractor, commissions, those kind of things. Yeah. And you have overhead expense, which is your rent, your insurance, your office salaries, your office expense, insurance, some of those things. When you look at the two, you don't want to spend money on stupid things. You can always perhaps be more efficient. Right. But if you save a dollar of overhead expense, you've saved a dollar. If you save a percent of your variable expenses, the ones that go up and down with sales, you save that on the first multiple of sales. And if you double sales, you save it again, you save it again, and you save it. Again. So when I'm working with clients, we look at all expenses, but the ones I'm really interested in, I'm interested in all of them. But the ones that ha can have the greatest impact if you pay attention to the variable expenses, the costs that go up and down with sales. And yeah. that's where most people can find remarkable efficiencies. And then, of course, make sure that overhead is necessary and not just something you're doing because you've always done it. Sure. Are there any other small changes that you like specifically retailers to look at when it comes to how they're running their business? Inventory turns. <laughs> yeah. And I know that can be a complicated subject because manufacturers want to incentivize you to take or at least pay deposits on a lot of inventory, right. which is counter your interest. It'd be great if you had enough to show on the floor and never had to own another one, but could still get them in a timely fashion. Right. So inventory turns, people understanding how many times they're turned their inventory is one of the huge retail measuring sticks because it ties yeah. up your capital, it has carrying costs. So that's one of the big ones for retailers. So something that I thought was interesting during the pandemic is as retailers had more cash on hand, they started to pay cash for inventory instead of using a flooring company. And I think that's something that if they were able to keep up with it now can be saving them a ton right. of money. And it depends on you always want to have some cash, but it depends on what the cost of the 
floor plan is. If the floor floor plan is going to cost you one and a half percent of your cost of goods sold, it's not exactly the same as one and a half percent increase in margin, but right. it has that same effect. If you're selling a million dollars a month or a million dollars a year, you look at a million and that's your gauge. No, your gauge is what trickles out the bottom and how big a percentage of it is of that 70,000 yeah. that most people make on a million. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sir, thank you so much for coming on the podcast okay. again today. Next month, we are talking about break even, and I am excited right. to, to talk about that. It's something that I have been thinking about a lot. So looking forward to that conversation, but thanks for hopping on and talking through small changes. I appreciate the opportunity, and I hope talking about these kind of mathematical subjects on a podcast, people can still relate and understand. Just take my word for it that the small changes make a huge difference. Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.